It's now time for Race Chat Live with Chris Creighton and Craig Moore. Are you ready? Your wedding day. A day that you've envisioned in your mind since you were a child. And now that it's... Race fan. How are y'all today? It's the Race Chat Live with Chris and Craig and Taz. Uh, that's uh, oh, Craig right now. We'll wait on him to come in. Let's see. I've got, uh, got the people in the studio over here. Good morning. All right. Uh, I was not expecting to be the host here tonight. We had two others that were uh, in line to do it, but uh, they were unable to uh, be a part here tonight. So give me just a second, guys, as we get everything prepared for a good show here. Uh, We've got uh, some new technology that we're fooling with. And I uh, haven't quite gotten the uh, gotten the memo on all of it yet, so we'll just try to roll through it as, as much as we can. I hear somebody in the background back there. Uh, speak up. I forever hold your peace. Hello? Hello? <laughs> okay. That sounds like Hi, that. Chris. <laughs> Hello, my friend. How are you today? Oh, doing wonderful. Waiting for this snowstorm to be coming in that I thought was supposed to come in like three hours ago. Yeah, y'all are waiting on a nor'eastern, and y'all are so far northeast that it hasn't gotten there yet. (laughs) Keep on being told it's going to come in at like 5 o'clock, and here we are at 8 o'clock, and I haven't seen an ounce of snow yet. Oh, goodness gracious. Well, there's plenty of snow south of you, and uh, of course, we're in the south-south, and uh, I promise you, it has uh, today. Somebody left the uh, freezer door open, and it has been extremely cold. We've seen uh, 80 degrees last week, and we'll see uh, we'll see the teens by next uh, Monday. Is what, what, what I'm hearing now. So uh, um, it's a great day in paradise down here in the south. Man, oh man, we got a lot to talk about here tonight. Hopefully, Craig Moore will be joining us soon. As uh, so, Taz, what number are you under? Nine three seven or five one eight? I'm five one eight. Five one eight. Okay, I'm gonna mark that in as Taz. All right, I'm gonna save that number right there because that's the appropriate thing to do. Who's the nine three seven? That uh, might that be Jason. Jason. Yeah, that's me listening in. Ah, uh, ten four. There's the the cat mothership, Mr. CJ Sports. He called in to listen to the show. Of course, we haven't uh, missed anything just yet. Uh, we're just now getting started, guys. This is our second episode of the season. Man, I don't know about y'all, but uh, well, I mean, I'm ready to get get right into it. You know, get it right in. Uh, have y'all been watching the Lucas Oil? All week. Holy crap, man. I mean, if that don't make you spend the money to get Mad TV, I don't know what will. But I have been spoiled rotten. And as a matter of fact, they're racing right now. Uh, but I have been spoiled rotten over the uh, Lucas Oil uh, Lake Model Series being on uh, well, Facebook 
basically. And I've been streaming it to my TV. Yeah, have you guys caught any of the races this week? The Nice Bay, and um, now they're at Bubba. Um, I have been watching. I haven't done the late models, but uh, been watching the Northeast Modified at Bubba Raceway Park this past weekend, and uh, I've heard a little bit of that track before I watched any races this past weekend from there, and I have not seen any races on YouTube. I've only heard of certain things, and I was just like, well, I'll give it a chance, see what happens. New track, new everything. What the heck? The first race I watched, after the feature, the well, for the feature race, they had a red flag for a car rolling over airborne on the backstretch on the first lap. After that, it was green to checkers, and my, oh, my, that track is an animal. And I don't mean animal as in they will attack the modifieds or the modifieds are struggling in this, that. Like, it's a tricky track, what every driver has said. But, I mean, there was lap, for about five laps, the inside groove was the way to go. Then the next five laps, it could be the outside groove. And then um, it's just back and forth, and that track changes so much. Um, it put on some fantastic racing, some of the best racing I have ever seen. Um, but, wow, let me tell you, Bubba Raceway Park, if you ever get a chance to go down to that track and watch any kind of dirt racing, I highly suggest you do because um, that track makes those uh, makes those cars put on one heck of a show start to finish. It could be for like for – sure. For, it could be for like 30 laps or even 50 laps. My goodness. Nice. Candace Keeley runs a heck of a racetrack down there at Bubba, Bubba Raceway Park in Ocala, Florida. Uh, Candace, a, a, a former guest on uh, Race Chat Live, uh, racing with Big Sweat. Uh, she's really a big promoter of the street stock cars as well. So uh, Donnie Ashford and uh, Tim Gay and several of those other drivers have uh, been on here as well. I uh, will have to get Candace onto the show uh, later in the year, Taz, and uh, let her tell you a little bit more about Bubba Raceway Park because uh, it is a fine facility for sure. Oh, definitely. I Like I said, watching that track for the first time, put on three fantastic races for the Northeast Modifieds for the first time um, for at least the Short Track Super Series being there. And my first time ever watching um, any kind of race. And I want to watch that race over and over. Like, that is completely nuts. Um, Just, I can't believe how well of a track that is. Um, To me, on the looks of it, it reminded me of, for some of you uh, Northeast racing fans listening in, it reminded me the looks of of Brewerton Raceway, just that D-shaped oval, because you have the front stretch that's literally a straightaway, and then the back stretch it's it's curved. You're not really going straight, and but how it raced, it's nothing compared to what I can have ever seen before. And uh, yeah, the, if I get a chance to get down there and watch a race down there, oh, I'm going. Sign me up. Sign you up. You'll you'll be glad to come down and watch. I tell you what, Florida's got some cool racetracks, and I'd love to 
be a part of Speed Weeks, go down there, see some racing in Volusa, Bubba Raceway Park, East Bay, All Tech Speedway. Man, I tell you what, they've uh, they've got it going on down in South Florida. And I'd love to be a part of that as well, Taz. Uh, maybe uh, one day we'll get down there and enjoy Speed Weeks for what it's intended for. Uh, and, you know, the only repeat winner uh, so far this season of Lucas Oil Late Model Series is uh, the old Texan, uh, Tyler Earth. Tyler Earth. And, uh, yeah, for sure. He's been putting on a hell of a show. Uh, he got threw out of a he race. He might have gotten dq one night, but he's got the talent, though. For sure, much talent. So waiting on Craig to get back. Uh, I'm not sure where. Uh, we should do a Where's Craig. <laughs> Got a lot of topics to get into here tonight. Try and slow things down a little bit. Give uh, give Mr. Moore a chance to. Uh, yeah, we got um, uh, Rolex 24. I think you will probably be more of the spotlight of that one. I unfortunately couldn't get a chance to watch any part of it. Unfortunately, I did see like uh, clips and stuff from when I was on like. Twitter or Facebook and stuff like that. But uh, as far well, as, like, racing goes, I'm, action I'm, sure, I'm sure you had one. It was definitely action-packed. Uh, there was a lot of, uh, a lot of. I mean, probably, I, I know it was the first time ever, uh, one of the few uh, stats that I can actually take away from the race was this is the first time ever that uh, five cars finished on the lead lap in the main uh, event with the, with, with the Rolex. So uh, they were all within, you know, a minute and a half of each other, basically there at the end, five cars, which is unheard of. I mean, 24-hour race, and they're all within a lap of each other. Isn't that amazing? I mean, gosh. But uh, uh, as for the competition, of course, you know, it's just kind of, it's 24 hours of racing. You, you you turn it on the TV. Of course, these days you have to jump between what channels you're going to watch it on. It used to be on IM, uh, SA, IMSA's website. You can just follow it through there. But this year we had to do a lot of jumping over and in the middle of the night uh, streaming it. And then the stream would cut off and it would go to something else. Uh, it, was, it was really uh, – they, they made it kind of hard this year. Uh, to follow up, but now we've got a few hours of it, and uh, and, and like I said, it was uh, it was great competition all throughout the racetrack. Uh, Chase Elliott, notable, he finished 22 laps down. Uh, Jordan Taylor, okay, uh, I won just pulled the up the for that. Huh? I just pulled up the results for from the Rolex 24 class by class too. Okay, great. Uh, give us, uh, give, Rossi, give us the, uh, the was, results there. Well, for the DPI class, um, Alexander Rossi and Helio Castroneves, that team uh, placed first in the DPI uh, class. Second mm-hmm. was the Allied team of Jimmy Johnson, yeah, uh, Kobayashi, Pejanel, and Rockenfeller. Yeah, and a late uh, race run there, I tell you, if they're giving it a few more laps, uh, Kobayashi uh, might have actually caught up to that team. It was just a little too late. Looks like, looks like a four-second gap between the two. 
Yeah, he was he was closing in. He sure was. Uh, then the Mazda Motorsports of Jarvis, Tinknell, and Bomarito, uh, third. Uh, then the Mayor Shank Racing, with, that had Montoya and Almendinger, finished fourth. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ganassi team finished fifth. Um, Scott Dixon was in that was in that team right there. Uh, Chase Elliott's team finished sixth. And seventh was the Mustang Sampling uh, Miller Motorsports car. Um, let's see. And we got the, let's see, the LMP2 class. Aero Motorsports uh, won, won that one by a 19-second gap over the Tower Motorsport car. Um Four laps down in third was the Dragon Speed USA. Um, fifth, fourth was nine laps down. Uh, this one had um, Cody Ware or maybe Carson Ware. I don't remember. In the Rick Ware Racing uh, Eurasia car. Um, when Autosport finished fifth, 23 laps down. Sixth was uh, 77 laps down in uh, Settler Racing, um, then 7th, 8th, ninth, and 10th, all in this order. Um, they w- they did not finish the race. Uh, PR1 Motorsports Racing Team, Netherlands, uh, High Class Racing, Dragon Speed USA. Um, high Class Racing was ninth and 10th was Dragon Speed USA, and that was Cody Ware. Um, in that fourth place car. Right. Yep. Um, uh, it was like I said, it was an interesting. Uh, uh, it was an interesting race. It looks like Craig may be back online. I'm not sure. Um, you know, it's it's just the lead up to it. You know, it's the lead up. We know now. It's officially. I mean, it's a Super Bowl week, week, right? But as a race fan, we know. We're we're two weeks away from the Daytona 500. Less than two weeks away now uh, from the from the Daytona 500. It is officially race season, Taz. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. So a lot of news coming across the wire uh, as we lead up to the the, the Cup uh, season. Um, Denny Hamlin, a big surprise, big surprise, right? Uh, Renew the contract from Joe Gibbs. And uh, FedEx. So we knew last year that it come as a package that they were uh, they were uh, going to be together. Of course, uh, we talk about FedEx and Joe uh, and and Denny Hamlin. Um, but uh, definitely, you know, no big shocker there. Other than, you know, I've heard it said already this week that uh, in a Bubba Wallace interview that. They're, I don't know how they're going to hide it, but they are the fifth star to Joe Gibbs Racing. And Denny Hamlin says anything that you need, I got you. And uh, so, uh, you know, I, I'm just, uh, I'm, what is the word, perplexed? How they're, how they're going to continue to not say that this is a fifth Joe Gibbs race team. Uh, I mean, it just, uh, <laughs> you know, you're not pulling the wool over my eyes, Taz. I, I 
you know what? It didn't come as a surprise to me that this happened. It really didn't. Um, I mean, obviously, with Chris Gabehart going to the Hamlin 11 team and just resurged that 11 team so much. I mean, to win nearly, like, what, 20 races in two seasons? My God. Even have a championship four birth both years, it's just incredible. I mean, I think, I mean, nothing to take away from Denny Hamlin's previous crew chief, but I think Hamlin's team needed a crew chief change, and boy, did Gibbs ever make it right and made it key to do so. And it's great that FedEx, FedEx um, said, hey, let's extend our contract. I mean, he's been our basically poster boy. Um, let's why change it up now? Yeah. Well, I mean, I just don't understand why Denny Hamlin will continue to be the number two in the organization, uh, in an organization that favors Kyle Busch, who was actually a Roush scouted driver, who was actually, you know, uh, a Hendrick driver before he was a Gibbs driver. But, you know, uh, Denny Hamlin... He's able to take it uh, for what it is, and I guess he feels comfortable being the number two guy uh, at the uh, at the Joe Gibbs organization. Maybe he thinks he'll out outrun or outlive Kyle Busch within the organization. I'm not really sure, but I kind of thought when this was first put together that, uh, you know, this was the beginning of the transition where Denny Hamlin wants to be in control of his future. And uh, similar to Tony Stewart, you know, I want to take it in my own hands. I want to retire when I want to retire, not when the organization says I need to go. And obviously that's not what we're seeing on paper here. I mean, that's not what we're seeing with an extension uh, with Joe Gibbs and FedEx. It's definitely – too early to call it silly season 2022. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but nothing's ever too early on Race Chat Live. I mean, we'll, I we'll, will we'll get out there. This. I'll say this. And two, I give about pro maybe main when the 2022 schedule will be out. Yeah, that sounds about right. So, um, So, um, uh, I was checking out, checking out this. I was seeing if you had anything else to add to that, uh, being that uh, they are not supposed to be a fifth organization, and and obviously Denny Hamlin, as of right now, has no plans to become that second driver over at uh, twenty three eleven uh, race team. Uh, you know, kind of, uh, it just doesn't make any sense, Dad. None of this makes any sense, and uh, we we talked about it many times but uh you know it's uh it's as confusing i guess as it's ever been right um trying to see if i can get word on the clash of coming up since but before we start well obviously we got to talk some silly season uh stuff and whatnot because i don't i don't know if we went really went over that um, and probably in predictions of where some of these guys will be um, in terms of silly season with their new 2021 rides and see where they go and what up. 
Right, right. Um, we're more focused on where they are now. We'll we'll have the whole rest of the season to kind of predict where what's going to happen next year. But what I really wanted to go over here tonight was where these guys have landed, and you know the Matt Diamondetto situation. Of course, his is going to carry over till next year, but he stayed at his ride. We've got the the emergence of twenty three eleven. We've got Track House, the Justin Marks and Pitbull team, uh, driven by Daniel Suarez. That's a new Cup team, guys. And they and, and from what I understand, they're they're not coming in this to play around. They're coming in this to be competitive. Uh, when you oh, you're yeah. dealing with people with a lot of money, you know you have to sit back. You have to look see if you know this is uh this is you know if it, if they're going to be creditable. Oh, I just saw an article on here. Um, since we're on the topic, and great article to come up to. Um. On FoxSports.com, Bob Pockers, a reporter for Fox Sports, sports mainly with uh, NASCAR or whatever, came out with a uh, 2021 driver moves uh, list uh, and how he ranked them. Um, Number 10 comes in with Anthony Alfredo to front row. Um, His feedback is he does not appear – ready for the Cup Series, but sometimes the driver must take the opportunity when it comes around. Um, so he believes mm-hmm. both sides need to be patient out of out of it all. Mm-hmm. Um, and with Corey Lador, similar to Matt Diamondetto, right? These guys yep. didn't really find out too much about them in the uh, Xfinity Series, but they have made uh, – they have bettered their careers on each, uh, each move that they've made. Uh, for coming up from uh, with basically what we would call starting park teams that are no longer starting park teams. I mean, not to take anything away from Alfredo, I think he's got the talent, but I think he needs to develop himself more. Um, I don't know which direction Pasta he could have went, but uh, <laughs> that's a new one, Pasta Boy. <laughs> Um, number nine, Pockers ranks for Ross Chastain at Chip Ganassi Racing. His feedback says, finally, Chastain is going a solid cup, solid cup ride, but this is a team that struggled with former champion Matt Kenseth last year. There will be a honeymoon period, and Ganassi likes aggressive drivers. The key will be for Chastain to race in his aggressive style but not make too many mistakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Chastain. Chastain aggressive, no doubt about it. it. It's there. You can't miss it. Sponsorship trouble with this team. I credit one announced today uh, that they were scaling back and no longer a part of uh, Chip Ganassi Race Team. So, uh, um, you know, it could be, uh, could be, you know, trouble uh, amongst the in, in the heels very soon uh, for Ross Chastain if they're not able to land a, a sponsor capable of carrying that race team, especially as if he comes in tearing stuff up. This is the time where Ross really needs to sit back and get the best out of his equipment, not be so aggressive. I know that he feels like this is his one and only chance, Taz, uh, but, but right now you just need to take care of the equipment because boss is running low on funds. And so uh, if you want to see yourself in that ride at the end of the year, 
uh, take care of the equipment early. Don't come to Daytona trying to, you know, make everybody believe in Ross Chastain. I think the goal here will be to leave Daytona with a solid finish, a clean ride, if that's possible, and, uh, and, and confidence rolling into the season because this will be his first full cup season. And with the atmosphere that's been created in the cup series, we haven't seen very many big-name drivers get fired unless they, you know, make a big mess up or something. Uh, but this is one that I would definitely keep my eye on because if Ross Chastain doesn't perform, uh, I, I see Chip Ganassi making a move early. I agree. Um, I mean, I feel like certain tracks he could um, be aggressive at and show his talent. But um, I know he does have a little bit of taste from last year. Um, I think it was for, like, what, three races maybe um, in the Roush six car, uh, substituting for Newman when Newman was um, out recovering from his Daytona crash from last year. But I think uh, I think that is a good move for Shastain, but I think this year's kind of, like we said with Alfredo, be patient with it. Um, kind of grow yourself. I mean, you can say you're not a new fish in the pond anymore, but in a way you kind of are. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, – all right, go to the next guy. Let's see. Number eight, he's got Spire Motorsports picking up Corey LaJoy, um, ranked in number eight. Both driver and team have a little bit of maverick spirit and both hoping and grow with the other. LaJoy likes to use the analogy of stacking pennies with this move to a team that has its own shop and its own cars, gain – Gains could be hard to see, but this is a driver who will see the nuances of the gains. This I, feels like a throwback team. And they have the throwback I, picture going on with Alan Kowicki. They're bringing back the old seven. Uh, this is, you know, this could be big for Corey LaJoy, especially if Spire is more competitive this year. And I expect them to be more competitive. This is their third full season in. They get they get what's going on. They've got them a win up underneath them. Of course, you know, it, it was a, it was a uh, speedway win. <laughs> you know, it was one of those fluke wins. Uh, but, uh, you know, not to take anything away from Justin Haley. Uh, but, uh, so, you know, this could be, you know, this could be really the beginning of an emergence that we see from Spire Motorsports, who, may I remind everybody, bought the uh, charter and the assets from the uh, from the former uh, Furniture Road team. So um, I actually have pretty big expectations considering Corey LaJoy knew that he needed to go to a ride that would expand his career, not one that would deflate it. This is supposed to be a better ride than the one he just left. So, with that said, I expect to see an emergence Spires, of Spire Motorsports. And, yeah. Um, Spire's ride for Corey LaJoy was um, bought Levine Family Racing. They per- Spire purchased the uh, Levine Family Racing charter. 
for to get Corey LaJoy into their second card. So they're running two chartered teams this year, Dad? Yes. Um, okay. I will have Corey LaJoy in the full-time seven car. Their other second mm-hmm. full-time car is going to be multiple drivers behind the wheel. Um, Jamie Mack will be in the Daytona 500 in the second Spire car, but it will be more under Ganassi power. Okay, and that was the uh, that was the Furniture Row uh, uh, yeah, charter, that was the former Furniture Row charter, right? But I think I think um, the Joy Inspire. Um, people think this is people think um, it's a good move, but I don't think it's one that's really talked about. I think this is one great move. Um, you're I mean, Spire, starting basically from the ground up, um, Corey LaJoy, he's just trying to make a name for himself, prove that he's got the talent or whatever, but he knows that um, he knows that he doesn't have the whole funding behind him to run a top-tier ride. So if Spire plays their cards, right, they're going to put um, as many top um, – as many um, top great cards into this ride, and I think this could be a good um, resurgence here for LaJoy. I mean, he he did well in the gold fast ride, but I I just feel like he'll do so he'll do better under this um, new team than gold fast. I really do. I think. I think we could see Corey LaJoy compete for top 20s easily, in my opinion. So we both think this fire's on the way up. That's good to know. Let's get to the next one. Number seven, we see Chase Briscoe to Stuart Haas Racing. Is Chase Briscoe going to be better than Clint Boyer, the driver he replaced in year one? Probably not. He's a rookie and doesn't have the benefit of practice, but this was a move not for 2021, but for years down the road. And the Fox Sports booth, Boyer's new home, thanks SHR for making it. Yeah, are you kidding me? Chase Briscoe's going to come out winning in the Cup Series like he won in the Xfinity Series. We're looking at nine wins this year uh, for Chase Briscoe. And then he woke up, and he realized it was all just a dream. You know, if this team gets one win this year, uh, they'll have done better than what they did last year with Clint Boyer. Cations are similar to some of these other guys that we've talked about. Let's get through the season. Let's let's see where we stand in June or July. Um, But I believe Chase Briscoe, and I believe he's got a lot of talent. I think that he's going to do well in the Cup Series. He's going to be partnered back with his buddy, Cole Custer. And uh, Cole, Cole Custer, and uh, you know Stewart Haas Racing just got a little, a, a lot younger, guys, a lot younger. Uh, between uh, Cole Custer and Chase Briscoe, uh, Kevin Harvick is the uh, is the old man at the helm, and uh, well, I guess Eric Amarillo is the is the second oldest, but definitely uh, a younger generation. There at Stuart Haas Racing. Stuart Haas um, is kind of 
I don't think they're behind the eight ball, but I feel like that they are in a in a sense. But I think Stuart Haas and Ford played the system correctly. And what I mean by this is that I think they're behind the eight ball in terms of going younger because Hendrick went younger. But I think Hendrick went younger a little too early. Um, and I don't think – but I think Hendrick did, just didn't straight up didn't have a choice. Um, I think Byron could have stayed in Xfinity for another year, but Jeff Gordon stepped out. So, obviously, um, need a young driver in terms of uh, – long-term and stuff like that. So I guess you could say William Byron made sense. Um, and then, of course, Dale Jr., when he retired. Um, Alex Bowman, we knew he had the talent. Um, we knew he had the drive. And Bowman proved it before when he subbed for Dale Jr. I think it was, what, 2016? <laughs> I think it was. Yeah, and I just admire Hendrick's loyalty to Bowman, right? Because he's had all these young guys that have come through the organization, all these, you know, these promoted. And instead of dumping Bowman, uh, he's 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 been there. And uh, so, you know, you've got uh, you've got a fairly young outfit now over at Hendrick Motorsports, where you know, just a few years ago, it was Jimmy Johnson, Jeff Gordon, Bill Earnhardt. And the fourth wheel, I guess, Chase Chase uh, Elliott. Uh, but now, well, no, Chase Chase come in after the retirement of Gordon. But anyway, um, you know, now, but, now you know, they got Larson, and they have Bowman, and they have Byron, and they have Elliott. So kind of the two lead staplemen there is uh, going to be Larson and Elliott, uh, but I, I just don't see those two characters blending too well. I really, I think they're too competitive to be friends. Well, we'll see because I mean, Chase Elliott did sign a new uh, midget ride for Bubba Raceway Park coming up soon. But um, we'll get back to the Super Haas Racing topic. Um, like I said, I think they're behind. Super Haas is behind the eight ball versus Hendrick. Um, in terms of going younger, um, of how quickly they went. But I think Stuart Haas did it the right way because they let their because between them and Ford, they let their drivers actually develop and let them prove to themselves that they are ready to move up and move up when the opportunity arises. And Cole Custer did that. Um uh, being a championship four contender, um, always competing for wins um, in his short career in Xfinity. Um, Briscoe was the same way, championship four contender last year, the one of the most dominant drivers of these series. And uh, he, and he, with Boyer out, it opened the door for Briscoe, and Briscoe took upon it. And so, I, like I said, I think Stuart Haas is behind the eight ball in terms of how quickly they can go younger with their team, but I think they did mm-hmm. it the right way versus right. Hendrick. Right. Just Hendrick was more saying that they didn't have that. a choice. Right, right. 
right. So um, uh, number seven. Number six, actually. Oh, this, this number six, okay. Number six. Uh, Daniel Suarez to Trackhouse. Suarez gets oh, a full-time God, ride. <laughs> Suarez gets yeah. a full-time ride in what should be decent equipment as an essentially third RCR car. He also has a team in Trackhouse Racing that should think he could be part of his future, especially with Pitbull as the co-owner. Yeah, I mean, what is this, the fourth year in a row we've talked about Suarez and a new ride, and it has just gotten worse every year. <laughs> um, so it's very, uh, um, well, how do I say, settling to know that this is an RCR third car. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's and the reason why I say it's settling is because we've seen such a dramatic uh, uh improvement last year with Richard Childress Racing. And so this could be a good move for Daniel Suarez. And I like the fact that there's somebody coming in with deep enough pocketbooks to be able to run a race team. And, uh, you know, just not to take anything away from Justin Marks, uh, but, you know, you have to have somebody with money. And uh, Pitbull's been around a long time. I'm sure he's ready to, to drop some, some real cash down on this thing. And uh, hopefully... You know, Daniel Suarez can get back to being one of the, you know, the, the feel-good stories. Uh, I, I love the, uh, you know, the, uh, the fans of Suarez, you know, the, the diversity that he brings within the Cup Series. We just need you to be a, uh, you know, a top-20 driver, Suarez, and uh, hopefully uh, he'll make the 99 great again. How about that? Bring him back to number 99. I, I applaud them for bringing back the 99. I mean, every time I think of the 99 number, I think of Carl Edwards. I mean, I don't... You can tell me... Um, When you tell me NASCAR, you say, what driver comes to mind when I tell you number 99? I'm going to straight up Carl Edwards. Somebody will say, oh, why don't you think of this? Yeah, this guy. I mean, yeah, I could probably go back further and further, but honestly, Carl Edwards made the 99 what it is. Because Carl Edwards had the talent, and I'm so glad that Trackhouse, um, Justin Marks, and Pitbull brought in the 99 car. And I hope Suarez can do something with this ride. Um, but we'll see. I mean, it's disappointing that Suarez has gone ride to ride to ride in the last few years. I, I honestly think he is not cup ready by any means. I mean, you, I mean, he bombed Wait a minute. 19 cars that Carl Edwards and Richards Jr. have put in the playoffs and competed for wins and competed for a championship for multiple years and Suarez couldn't do it in two. Are you saying that Suarez still needs more time? I think he could, he could, he needed to, to develop more in a, in the lower series before he was up for Cup. Right, but this is like four years in the Cup series now. He should be ready, right? I mean, we're not waiting. We're not putting training wheels on him anymore, are we? <laughs> like, I get, like, I get from, from Joe Gibbs that when Carl Edwards retired, he needs someone quick. And obviously Daniel Suarez was the one making the call for it, but Suarez should have stayed. He really should have. Well, who else could he have put there? 
Someone more talented? <laughs> right, but, but you know what? You know what was behind Carl have Edwards? Or, um, do, they have, do they have the money Slim has? <laughs> That's my question. They <laughs> <laughs> what? Did, did they, any of them have the money Slim had? Exactly. That's what I was just getting ready to say. Yeah. So, you know, Suarez had so the it, money. It is, and, yeah. Yeah, that, that you got to follow the money trail. And that was uh, an experiment that didn't work out. But I think that Daniel Suarez still has a chance to prove himself. Unlike Danica Patrick, unlike Marcus Ambrose, unlike all these Christian Field of Polity, unlike Dario Franchitti, unlike Juan Pablo Montoya, Suarez actually has stock car experience. He didn't he didn't get his name in Mexico by racing road courses. He got his name by racing on ovals. So he has stock car experience. Given the right riding, given successful equipment, uh, you you could probably see an improvement uh from Daniel Suarez, especially that now that he's had to race race cars like with Gaunt Brothers. I mean, you know, those are some of those are ten year old chassis guys. I mean, literally, they're the original Toyotas that were brought out when Toyota come to Cup. I mean, a couple of years, well, I guess the, the original car tomorrow. You know, the one um, thing some I of these cars that... Uh... Go ahead. One thing I will say about Suarez with Gaunt Brothers, though, I will give him credit where credit due for that team, despite not qualifying for the 500. And, I mean, he got wrecked out nothing to of his own doing um, in the duels last year, which is why he didn't qualify for the 500, but uh, for the most part, he kept his nose clean, tried to always finish the race. It was kind of like Paul Menard in a lower tier team race car. <laughs> Do we need to give you Paul Menard's stats? Has anybody ever really looked at Paul Menard's stats? They're pretty pitiful, guys. I mean, we thought Mikey Waltrip had it bad. Uh, Paul Menard and Mikey Waltrip were damn near on the same page. I mean, I'll look at Paul Menard's stats right now. I'm kind of in the midst of doing that. <laughs> yeah, I am too. Paul Menard's stats are quite wicked. I mean, it's, it's amazing how many starts that guy had and only had one cup win and you know, it, obviously, when you see Paul Menard and you see the stats, you say, okay, there's, you know, 100 years from now, somebody's going to be like, okay, there had to have been some daddy involved in this because there's no way. So, uh, so um, yeah, who's got the TV on? Somebody got Paul, TV on. Paul, Menard, Paul Menard's Cup Series stats, before we go back to Suarez here, um, in 16 years of Cup Series racing. Um, he made 471 starts, has one win, 20 top fives, 69 top tens with two pole awards, and led 342 laps of those races. Average finish 1.2, average start 20.0. Um, I think his best point finish. Um, came in, looks like 2015, finished 14th in points. Out of, out of how many year career? 
out of out of six in sixteen years of his racing. <laughs> Daddy wasted a lot of money there, didn't he? <laughs> but he loves his kid, and just like we love our kids too. Um, but that was a lot of wasted money. But you know, and, and we're starting to see Menard uh, starting to pull money away from the uh, the series and all now that that Paul has been out uh, out for a couple of years now. And uh, this just uh, you know that's a, a a partnership that you're not going to be able to replace in NASCAR. Uh, once uh, John Menard uh, decides that, you know, it's not profitable anymore to support NASCAR. So uh, hopefully they've got their next guy coming in. Because if you look at the checks that uh, John Menard's written over the last, I don't know, say 15, 16, maybe 18 years, uh, I guarantee you it would be a more than a Brinks truck uh, worth of money. Um, let's uh, stay on cue here. Let's go to number five. Are, are, are Craig, no, do, you, okay, do you have anything? Do you have anything to close with uh, with the Daniel Suarez and Trackhouse and Pitbull? And, I mean, hey, uh, Pitbull announced, was announced today as the Grand Marshal of the Daytona 500. So, hey, you know you, what? There's you beat me to it, replacement right there. <laughs> oh, Craig has his phone on mute. Okay. Well, yeah, unmute it, Craig. That's where the that's where the TV noise was coming from. I, I do know, so we appreciate Craig uh, uh, putting his phone on mute. But now join the party with us, okay? Uh, do you have any closing remarks on uh, uh, Justin Marks' team, the Track House team, number ninety nine, Daniel Suarez? Okay, going once, going twice. All right, Chad, go to number five. All right, number five sees Eric Jones to Richard Petty Motorsports. Eric Jones oh, has this. the most, yeah. has the most yeah. wins of any driver arriving at RPM to drive the 43 car since Bobby Labonte in 2008. The question is whether RPM is much better than an organization that finished 24th in owner's points last year with Bubba Wallace. This pairing has potential to be a boost or a drain for both, as Jones has not driven for an organization that hasn't had significant depth. Yeah, this is kind of a death sentence there for Eric Jones. I think most of us believe that. Uh, Eric Amarola has already sent black flowers. Um, (laughs) Bubba Wallace left laughing, laughing at at him, laughing out loud. Uh, But who knows, man? The one thing that Eric Jones has yet to be able to do is bring in a sponsor, and, and that's something I think he's gotten spoiled with over his uh, racing career is that he hasn't had to bring in the money, which means that he didn't have to have his hair cut. He didn't have to be politically correct. He didn't have to be, uh, you know, uh, the the most popular interview. We need some character, Eric Jones. If you're going to make it pop, over at Richard Petty Motorsports, uh, RPM, you're going to need some funding, bro. And uh, we want to see you around because I think that this is the hottest free agent outside of Kyle Larson that really got a bummed ride, dude. I mean, really. Like, this is not where I expected Eric Jones' career to go. Um, I, think, I believe the kid has I a think, lot of talent. I believe he's a future cup champion. I believe I've said that on this show here. I think Gary Jones remember. is a future cup champion. 
I remember you talking about that. that. I remember you talking about that because what we were talking because this was when we didn't know who was in the forty eight car for quite some time, and we were all right. trying to figure out who's in that forty eight car, who's going to be in this, and of course we we've all penciled numerous drivers. And I think I do remember correctly that Eric Jones, I said I wouldn't mind seeing him in that because, one, it's a top-tier it's, it's top ride. So going from Gibbs to Hendrick is not really an upgrade versus a downgrade type deal. I mean, you're kind of saying the same in a way. And with him going to Hendrick in the 48 car, the 48 car is fully funded for a whole year. So Jones had the sponsorship backed up for a whole year. If he was doing a one-year contract with possible – um, more years to come, depending on his performance in the first year. Um, and I think he, I think he does have the talent. I just think he needs. We've seen him in top tier equipment in terms of Joe Gibbs racing, but I think he was oh, he was overshadowed. Um, he was overshadowed at Furniture Row when he was teammates with Truex when they were a two car team. He was overshadowed at Joe Gibbs heavily um, with Hamlin, Truex, and uh, Kyle Busch. So I think, in a in a way, I mean, I feel like him going to him not going to Hendrick, I think, kind of hurt. But I think this is, in a way, this is a plus, and I know a lot of people are saying, oh, this is going to be negative. This is not going to be his year now. I kind of see this as a plus in a certain way because, um, like you said, Chris, he needs to build himself a character, and I think this is a perfect opportunity to do so since he's a single-car team. Right. And I think... That Jones boy. That's what we know Aaron Jones as, that Jones boy. We need to know a little bit more about that Jones boy. And I think this is the perfect platform. You know, one thing that I would take away from the Bubba Wallace-Richard Petty experience, it's those two guys together feel good TV time. In other words, when they were on TV together, they made you feel good. Because you could tell that Richard Petty liked interacting with Bubba Wallace. Richard Petty wanted Bubba Wallace to drive for him. And they went to the end of the world to keep Bubba Wallace. So if you can get, and that's something that we didn't really see outside the first couple of years with Eric Amarola, <laughs> was the connection between the King and Eric. Uh, you know, it just it, it just wasn't good chemistry. <laughs> Hopefully we can see that good chemistry. Hopefully we can build off that chemistry between Eric Jones and Richard Petty. Because I think of anything right now, Eric Jones needs a father figure in his life. I think that's the one void that has kind of catapulted this whole fall off of Eric Jones' career is the staplement of his family, the staplement of his of his career uh, was his father. And, you know, since he's, since he's passed away, uh, Eric Jones seems to be missing something. So if he can, if he can get that father figure from Richard Petty and, and take that advice um, and open up and, and build a relationship there, that's something that I'm looking forward to. As for on track, you know, expectations, I mean, I'm looking at a bottom feeder team, you know, a 26th to, to 30th place finish. Hopefully, Jones can do better than that, and that will attract sponsorship. If he can take that car and do better 
than what Bubba Wallace or Eric Amarola was able to do. And I'll be honest with you, Eric Amarola had a better car than Bubba Wallace did. So, you know, we've got to move the arrow back in the other direction, RPM, if we're going to make this a solid go with Eric Jones. But, you know, hey, uh, uh, people thought that uh, uh, Kurt Busch was crazy when he went and drove for Furniture Road. But that was the revival of Kurt Busch. And remember, that team made a lot of strides then. You know, everybody wants to put it on Martin Truex Jr., but that team made a lot of strides when Kurt Busch showed up because Kurt Busch had that type of mentality and that type of talent. He could carry an organization and make them better. And a Harry Scott deal with Kurt Busch was a disaster. He found out who the outlaw was in him when he went to Furniture Row Racing, drove a black race car. I can see the same deal happening with Eric Jones. Eric Jones is going to find out how gritty he really is how bad he wants it. And, uh, you know, I, I, I hope that he can carry the organization. I really do. I hope so, too. I mean, with the note that got pointed out earlier that Progress mentioned is that Eric Jones um, coming in to this organization, the most wins of any driver since Bobby Labonte in 2008, you're comparing Eric Jones to a Cup Series champion and Bobby Labonte uh, and NASCAR Hall of Famer. You are com- uh, this kid, he truly has potential, and I really think he does. I just think that, um, I mean, I would have loved to see him in Hendrick, especially in that 48 car, because we know that 48 car, if we put him with the right uh, crew chief and everything, that that 48 car right. has potential to compete for wins. And I think Eric Jones, being as young as he is, and we know, yeah, Jimmy Johnson was competing, but Jimmy Johnson just, to the end of his career, I mean, I'm, as a Johnson fan, I hate to say it, but the young talent just caught up to him, caught up to Johnson. Right. And Johnson wasn't adapting to it. Um, and so I think Jones into that 48 car would have been, would have made brilliant sense. Jones has the drive. He's young. This could have been a long-term deal. He's in a fully funded car. So, Jones, all he would have had to do was make a name for himself and try to build up more sponsorships for that 48 car. But, in a sense, too, he would be overshadowed by Chase Elliott because, I mean, Chase freaking Elliott, apparently. And, I mean, he may have, he could have been overshadowed by Alex Bowman a bit, but I don't think he would have. I could be wrong in that that statement, but uh, I think he could have. I think Jones could have overshadowed Byron. I'm sorry, I think he's more talented than Byron, but um, I think I, there's plenty of talent there, Taz. I really do. I, I'm with you on that. I I mean, not, I'm not saying Byron isn't talented. I just think Jones has more potential than Byron does. I really do so. And I'm kind of hoping that maybe Eric Jones can put this RPM team back to where it was at one at one point in time in its history through NASCAR. Which was a top 15 team, right. In which this four, we know outside of Richard Petty, we have seen the worst of the worst and the best of, the best of this 43 car without Richard Petty in the ride. And I would love to see it back to where it used to be, which, like you said, was a top 15 ride. And I think Jones has the has the 
drive and heart to put that car inside top 20 week in, week out. And I heard the Bobby Labonte reference, the the, the Hall of Famer. Did, did we forget that Bobby Labonte really only had a window of about six years where he was a really good racer? And the the years that he was with RPM, that was just the most pathetic years I've ever seen out of Bobby Labonte. And uh, it, was a, it was a quick downfall. I mean, it really was. And, uh, you know, with what you just said, Taz, about, uh, you know, since Richard Page's been there, not really too many people have been able to shot. I mean, outside of Bobby Hamilton and John Andretti, uh, it's really, you know, A.J. Allmendinger gave it a flash there for a little while. Uh, but uh, it's just that it's not, they've not been able to cue in on one driver to bring them back to, you know, at least an admiral team, a decent team, a second-tier team. Uh, Amarola probably got it closer than any of the uh, any of the other drivers mentioned above. Uh, but uh, RPM, you got a lot to show us. I can't believe that this was number five. What's number four, Taz? Uh, Craig, Craig, you want in on any of this? Craig said that uh, um, it was bottom feeder. Describes them better. Uh, speaking of RPM, so uh, what's 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 number four? Number four, um, it's not so much of a driver change, um, which I don't, so I don't even know why it's here, but I guess it kind of makes sense in a way. But whatever, um, Ben, be sure to crew chief Kyle Busch. Kyle Busch didn't go two for fifty six in his past fifty eight races because of Adam Stevens, but you can't win two races out of fifty eight and last as Bush's crew chief. Bush handpicked Ben Bashore to replace Stevens and will want to prove that his decision made sense. The challenge will be the same as last year for Bush, not having practice and the impact that had on the team's ability to find the sweet spot for him to take advantage of his talent. Uh, you know, Kyle Bush probably wanted the crew chief from uh, Denny Hamlin, and I don't blame him. Uh, I'm just not sure if shaking the crew chief tree was the right move here by Joe Gibbs. Um, I think that uh, it's best. But to, I don't think this is. You have to, I don't think this is much of Gibbs though. It's. I mean, same here. Kyle Busch handpicked Ben Bichard. Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes you give too much uh, power. It's, it's like the whole Deshaun Watson thing right now. Uh, you know, demanding a trade, and Houston says, "Man, we're not trading." You know, uh, I know you're upset with the organization. I know you're mad because we traded away your top wide receiver last year. I know that you think that the team's in the dump because we had to fire our GM slash coach, Bill O'Brien. But at the same time, you know, I've got the proper people in place to run this organization. I think that's where Joe Gibbs gives a little bit too much power to his favorite. And, uh, you know, I mean (laughs) – I've seen I have seen Kyle Bush's crew chief go to bat for him so many times, so many times. He needed an Adam Stevens to 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 win a championship again, and I think that you're already throwing that championship series team away. And he, you know, we can all call the first one what it was—the first championship. Man, the second championship, he earned that one because you know he had to work for it and he got it. And already carrying that that chemistry up, uh, you know, sometimes you go through tough times. Yeah, 
two for fifty-two or whatever it was that their record was. Six. Two for fifty-six. I mean, come on, guys. How many how many Cup Series guys do you know that have an off year every now and then? Diddy Hamlin. It seems like every third year he has an off year. You know, he's not. I don't think Diddy Hamlin's going to put up the stats this year that he put up last year. Last year, in the you know, it was his number. Didn't big drags have a bad year? Way, yeah, yeah. You know, all these drivers have it. I mean, Ricky Rudd, for crying out loud, won a race every year one time for like 15 years. But, you know, that's, there There comes a time where drivers go through a drought. And I, and I don't think – I think a lot to do with Kyle Busch's drought is he actually has time to sit in a motor coacher. He has – he's had time away from the track, which takes his focus off of the race car. Carl Edwards, we mentioned him earlier. Carl Edwards was the best at his best when he was doing what? Pass? When he was chasing every race car that he could get into, that he could buckle into. When Carl Edwards was on his game and top of the field, top five driver, he was out there kicking ass in the in the Bush series, right? Huh? Carl Doing backflips every weekend. Carl Edwards, yeah. Carl, I will say this. Carl Edwards and Kyle Busch are two different drivers, and and this is why I'm going to say this. As Craig had mentioned in um, our chat here, he Kyle Busch relies on practice, and I, and he relies so much on the lower series, and I get at the fact with Xfinity in a way, I understand Cup guys going down. Um for limited races, which is what I like. Um, cup guys coming down to kind of give uh, some of these Xfinity guys a, a, just a small taste of racing against a cup, experienced cup driver. Just to kind of, you know, if you want to if you want to move up to cup series, you're going to be racing against this guy, and this is how he's going to be um, and whatnot. But Kyle Busch, like I get he owns a truck team, it works with Joe Gibbs closely on that, but he when he races the trucks truck team, I mean, the guy takes off like a rocket ship, and like right. nobody nobody's competitive with it's him. Not. I'm sorry, it it sucks when he races in a truck series race. I it makes me want to turn off the TV because I know who's gonna win. Oh, I know, I know. This is not Adam Stevens' fault, man. This but, is not Adam Stevens' fault. I mean, I mean, I know he makes you so mad you turn the TV off because you're like, damn it, Kyle Busch is going to win this race. He's he's in it. You know he's going to win it. But but now we've seen with Carl Edwards, we've seen a tougher year from him there as well. Go ahead with Carl Edwards. But with but with Carl Edwards, no matter what car you put him in, whose team you, he's racing for, what series he's in, all Carl Edwards is going to do is is um, no matter where he starts or where he finishes, he his mo- his main goal is going to be catch the next car in front of you, pass them, and then on to the next one. Once I get to the lead, it's just basically run my race and uh, don't worry about the guys behind me. Just don't worry about the guys in front of me. Just do me and uh, have at it. That's how Carl Edwards got su- successful, and it sucked that he didn't win a championship, but I he totally deserved the championship, but unfortunately got screwed out of one, but that's whatever. 
Well, and, and they're saying, you know, in, in our group thread, uh, JGR needed a scapegoat. Stevens is it. I, I feel like more like what you said. This was pushed more by Kyle Busch because uh, he wants to he wants to drink the poison. He wants to he want, he and Kyle Busch has said it's not him. It's somebody else's fault. And uh, I think that uh, you know Craig's key on without the practice, without getting the bugs out, without making the mess up beforehand. He doesn't. Ha- that's his driving style. Like I have all weekend to get ready for Sunday. Now Sunday comes a lot quicker, and I like that. I like what Craig's saying there because I think that that has a lot to do with it. It goes into the analogy that uh, I felt like Carl Edwards was better when he was racing. He focused all weekend long. There's a lot of outside distraction for Kyle Busch right now with him not being able to compete like he wants to. And uh, without that practice time, without those uh, laps on the track to work out the kinks and the bugs, uh, Kyle Busch has found himself struggling. This this relationship will not last a year. Wait and see. He'll be begging for Adam Stevens back uh, by the July Daytona race. Oh, wait. Let me stop there. There is no July Daytona race. I'm sorry, the August Daytona race. Or whatever they decide to race Daytona again. I, I'm not sure. So my whole idea of the cup schedule, I have really got to do a lot of studying before we kick off the season in two weeks. Yeah, this this schedule is wild as ever, but we can get to that later on, though. Um, number three. Number three. Oh, this is, <laughs> I'm going to laugh at this one for a bit because I know you're going to love this one. I think you're going to go off for a little bit longer than you have on any other one we've had so far. Oh, goodness. Bubba Wallace to Jordan team. Bubba Wallace showed some promise at Petty, going from 28th in the standings in two consecutive years to 22nd last year. But he needed to go to a place that would have more depth when it comes to financing and and an alliance with a major organization. He has that with the new Michael Jordan-Denny Hamlin-owned 2311 Racing with an alliance with Joe Gibbs. But don't expect them to be great right away. If this team contends for a playoff spot, it should be considered a successful season. Oh man, where do we? I mean, where do we start? Where do we end? We've already talked so much about the Bubba Wallace situation. <laughs> Michael Jordan has not won anywhere except for the Bulls. I'm going to remind you, Michael Jordan has not won anything other than when he was with the Bulls. Uh, so expectations should be a top twenty race card, no better than fifteenth, no no worse than twentieth. What's going to be amazing is if he has if if this team has all that funding and still can't get better than 22nd in points. I, I see somewhere 18th to 20th, uh, but uh, there's going to be some growing pains. If this is a single-car team like they claim it is, it's going to be a lot of growth uh, that they're going to have to deal with. If this is a fifth JGR team, similar to what we've seen with uh, Levine and uh, Furniture Row, you know, expectations should be higher. It should really be higher for uh, Bubba Wallace because Bubba Wallace has showed that he has talent. He's a talented guy. He's, he, he can play the drums, okay? So he's talented. We know Bubba Wallace <laughs> has talent. Just not sure if it's a race car driver. Um, we'll see. 
We'll see. And, uh, you know, it's another diversity thing. I think the Bubba Wallace is great for NASCAR, just as I thought Danica Patrick was great for NASCAR, just as I think Daniel Suarez is great for NASCAR. Everybody always leaves Erica Marola out of it and Kyle Larson. I'm not sure how they just automatically become the white people of the sport, but uh, so be it. It is what it is. So they get the white people fast somehow. But, uh, um, yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> hey, it's not reached out loud. We don't say something controversial. So I had to kind of, had to kind of uh, spring for that one. Uh, you know, what's the biggest thing with Bubble Wallace is let's wait and see what happens. If this guy comes out of the shoot and wins the Daytona 500, I want to tell you NASCAR is rigged, and I, I I'm gonna leave it at that. Um, I don't like I've said before. Um, during the off season, I I'm gonna lean more towards Bubba Wallace not making a not making the playoffs, but. If he does contend for a playoff spot, he's gonna, and he does, and if if and only if he does qualify for the playoffs, he's gonna nearly get in in that 16th spot by like three points. I don't. I mean, new team, new organization. Yes, you have funding. Yes, you have. It's not – yes, you have an alliance with Joe Gibbs. And, of course, Denny Hamlin has to prove that this car is not a fifth GGR car because you can only have four cars to a team, not five. <laughs> so, I just – Yeah. I'm I'm Hendrick, I am I am copying whatever it is Joe Gibbs is doing. If I'm Stuart Haas, I'm copying it. Um, I hope that uh, the guys don't just sit back and get beat by a fifth car. I hope they, uh, you know, they they somehow manage to find their fifth team as well. And it seems like they are doing that if, if, you know, the Suarez car is. But I'm just not sure if they have the type of caliber of drivers for these fifth teams uh, that are going to make them. Because, I mean, they are the fifth driver of the stable, right? If if Bubba Wallace was so good, don't you think he'd be sitting over in the 18 garage? Huh? That's an interesting question, isn't it? So they are kind of the fifth man out, you know. The they're they're the twelfth man, uh, so to speak, if we're using a football reference. Um, you know, uh, Daniel Suarez. I don't. I guess he would be more like the third man, but you know, really. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Bubba Wallace, number three. Let's go to number two. Number two. Hey, I like this one. Kyle Larson to Hendrick Motorsports. This should be number one because it looks to both benefit Larson, a generational talent, at least on dirt, and give Hendrick Motorsports a boost as he replaces Jimmy Johnson in the stable. But this is ranked number two because it still seems like SHR would have been the best fit for Larson. Ford Ford nixed those plans, and it appears that Hendrick will be the beneficiary. Larson's Performance could give an evaluation of where his former team, Chip Ganassi Racing, truly ranks in strength among the top organizations. 
Yeah, if you had Ford to go back and redo that, I guarantee you they would have a different. They would have a see what Ford was going on was that Chevy was not going to get in, and I think that everybody got fooled by that. Chip Ganassi got fooled by Chevrolet when Chevrolet says we are not going to have this guy driving our race car. We are not going to have a Chevy Chevy emblem on the front of a car with Kyle Larson in it. And so Chip Ganassi said, oh, my gosh, well, I'm forced to do the one thing that I didn't want to have to do because this is the kid that I gave a chance to. I've got to fire Kyle Larson. And then old Papa Hendrick comes in smoking his fat cigar. So Larson, red race. And, and, you know, and, oh, Chevy opens the door again. But, no, nobody's supposed to be tied to this car. There's not supposed to be any sponsorship for this guy. But this is the biggest free agent signing since Junior, Dale Junior, wound up in Hendrick Motorsports. This is the biggest free agent signing since Kyle Busch wound up at Joe Gibbs Racing. We have not had something this big happen in racing since 2008, Taz. There's a whole new generation of, of, of fans that never knew Dale Junior to drive anything other than the 88. They never knew. Uh, Kyle Busch to drive the number five car. In their generation, it's been the 18 and the 88. We have a generational signing. Kyle Larson to Hendrick Motorsports, and everybody is supposed to be hush-hush about it. Ford would have taken Kyle Larson if they would have known that Chevy was devaluing Kyle Larson. They weren't kicking him off the squad. They were devaluing him, which is great, because Kyle Larson was going to be the highest-paid race car driver in the Cup Series for 2021. Now, I mean, you know, you just slide him a couple million and say, "Hey, you know, we're going to give you a, we're going to give you a shot here, Kyle Larson. We're going to give you a shot." Now, what Kyle Larson does with this is he probably goes out and he maybe contends for a championship after a year with him. Uh, being blackballed and blackballed. <laughs> Is that even acceptable yeah. anymore? Can we say that? I mean, what, what, what reference are we talking about a black ball? But uh, anyway. <laughs> I really think... I mean, oh, my God. Um, I really think... Um, I really think Hendrick DeLarson, amazing, especially when you lose Jimmy Johnson... And you only have like one big name driver because your other two drivers are still trying to make a name for themselves and prove that they should be where they are. Um, I think Larson's a great move, and I hope the freaking Lord he bites Ganassi where it hurts. I mean, I would have loved to see him with Tony Stewart, and I think I have to agree with Pacris that, um, I think Larson would have been a better fit with Stuart Haas. But um, Larson to Hendrick, though, when you lose Jimmy Johnson, you sign Kyle Larson. Hendrick did something right in a number of years. And uh, I really think Larson could be not only a contender for wins, but he could be a championship threat. And we haven't even put a car on the track yet for this year. Um, he's proven time and time again he can drive a freaking race car. He outperformed in Chip Ganassi 
He made Chip Ganassi cars look like a top-tier ride, and Chip Ganassi cars are not top-tier rides by any means. No, they're, they're second-tier rides. They're not third-tier rides. I mean, you think about it. Jamie McMurray, Kurt Busch. Kurt's got, what, two wins since he's been with the organization? Yeah, they're not, they're not. They're not. They're not a third tier team, but they're definitely not a top tier team. Though I think Larson had them in a better position than any than any other driver, and that's based off of his pure talent. Larson has a lot of talent, and he's going to do great things at Hendrick Motorsports. And you know, people here at this radio station will tell you I've been screaming Larson to Hendrick Motorsports for a long time. He just didn't take the conventional route to get there, so I'm not credited for that. But I've seen, I've, seen it, I've seen it years ago that somehow, some way, Hendrick was going to tell Larson, now, if you're ready to win championships, you need to come on over here to my organization. The only difference is in 2020, uh, uh, Rick Hendrick got a hell of a discount on what it was going to cost to sign Kyle Larson. But Larson and SHR would have been a better fit for Larson. I know that to be a fact because, you know, he's he's just uh, he's going to have to put on a fake face at Hendrick. I don't think that he would have had to have done that over at Stuart Haas Racing. But, you know, it just wasn't in the uh, – it just wasn't meant to be. I mean, Stuart has admitted um, he didn't want – I mean – he wanted Kyle Larson, but it was but when he kept on out speaking for Kyle Larson, it wasn't for the fact that he wanted, it wasn't for the attention that he was trying that he wanted Kyle Larson to race for him. Stuart basically played it as, you know, he's done his punishment, he's done his time, just let him back in the freaking NASCAR, stop playing the chicken crap, stop playing the polit- the politic crap nonsense. Right. I mean, you guys are being a little taking this more extreme than you should be. And uh Stuart just kinda said he's he's done his time. Let let the kid go. He's got potential. He he wants to be here. He wants to race just like every any single one of us does. And um I mean, Stuart did say he yeah, he would have liked to have Larson, but he didn't outspeak for Larson because, you know, if NASA reinstated him, he would have signed him immediately. Stuart basically played it as, okay, I'll outspeak for him, but I will play the same role as a team owner, like any other any other team owner in the in NASCAR, and play my negotiation cards. Say, here's my offer, Larson. Oh, Hendrick, Hendrick gave you this offer. Why don't, why don't I try to up it a bit? Oh, Hendrick, I'll beat me. I can't give. I can't. I'll beat that offer. Well, here you go. Well, you can have it with Hendrick. I tried getting you, but I I just couldn't seal the deal. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I leave. Uh, Miss Lee brought an interesting point. If Larson doesn't get a championship with Hendrick. He will eventually land the SHR. I think not only is that, if you know. If Hendrick tries to underplay the talent of Larson and maybe keep him undervalued while he's at Hendrick, because you kind of have to wonder right now, who is the lead guy at Hendrick? Well, you're coming off a championship race season with Chase Elliott. 
So Larson is kind of the number two guy, right? Uh, and he's going to have to make sure that, you know, he has Alex Bowman and, and uh, William Byron's uh, stats better than them to even be that. So, yeah, if, if you know, some people, it's like, it's, it's like uh, David Justice and Pinstripes, okay? We'll go back to Major League Baseball. When David Justice signed for the Yankees, it just wasn't a fit. Like, David Justice, the Braves, and Pinstripes, it just, it just doesn't look right. It doesn't feel right. If that's the case with Larson when he gets over to Hendrick Motorsports, then you'll see maybe one-year, two-year deal, whatever this is. It'll, it'll fall apart, and, you know, Larson will have another chance, another stab at the free agent market. And uh, I don't see why he wouldn't land with a Stuart Haas or, or the, the wherever thing, he wants to go this next time. One thing I do want to mention is Miss Lee uh, pointed out, uh, Larson never for your hand around other series and Hendrick. Um, from what I've heard, um, Hendrick is giving Larson the reign to run uh, dirt races and 40. stuff. But, right. um, 40 races. But Hendrick is kind of saying, well, it's at your own risk. You can do it, but it's at your own risk. It's all on you now. It ain't on me. It's on you. And right. the one thing I think Larson would be a better fit with Tony Stewart Stewart being a dirt racer and racing NASCAR, Larson could fit him perfectly because Stewart can Stewart and Larson can give each other feedback so much. I'm sure that it, um, when they go to a racetrack, you put those you put uh, the mindset of Tony Stewart, the talent he has, with the mindset and talent of Larson has. Who big if Larson ever goes to Stewart Haas, look out. Right. And right. I think if Larson were to go to Stuart Haas, I want to say he replaces Kevin Harvick, but I think at the rate we could be seeing, I think we could see Almarola Larson. Mm-hmm. You know, Casey Kane never fit in at Hendrick, right? Brian Vickers never really fit in at Hendrick. There's several drivers uh, that have gone to Hendrick Motorsports that did not fit in. And, and, when you see the the interview and you catch Larson off guard when he's not supposed to be in front of the camera, there is a little awkwardness to Larson. He doesn't really have much to talk about, and it's uh, I'm not, I'm not sure if it's uh, shyness or uh, maybe uh, conceited. I really I don't know. Like I'm not going to try to put anything there that's not supposed to be there, uh, but uh, I definitely uh, see a sense of oddness, uh, an introvert. Maybe so. To, maybe from Larson. Maybe he's just really guarded now that uh, you know he's watched his career uh, then near collapse overnight, and he's he's more withheld. But I, you know, I, I feel like the Larson that he's always kind of been the way that he is with the media, and uh, not not a guy who never has much to say. Um, and I don't know if that's going to help him or hurt him in this situation. Uh, but you know, there again. It's all about the fit. I'm just not sure. Even though I predicted this marriage for years, I'm just not sure it's going to work based off the circumstances that it happened. So uh, I think that's uh, carefully, yes, yes, Greg, for sure. Um, Larson is having to uh, definitely guard 
what he says and how he says. I've seen him get in the car with Wayne Davis down there at uh, um, at Alltech, and uh, you know Wayne's a good guy and he has a midget series and he was trying to get uh, Larson to open up and Larson was kind of like, look, uh, you got a camera pointed in my face. I'm just not really digging answering any of your questions right now. So, you know, that was the, just the latest oddness, little fruit nugget there to to kind of get you guys more in of what I was seeing and talking about. Uh, but, uh, so I mean, that leaves the number one. And, and who could be bigger news than Larson? The, this this number one, or Wallace, even, this is going to be interesting. Who falls in that number one uh, biggest move of the year? Christopher Bell to Joe Gibbs Racing with Stevens oh, and Scrooge. gosh. I know oh, what you're thinking. Gosh. This is number one. At least hear what? me out. Christopher Bell ah. is considered okay. Christopher Bell is considered the top and upcoming prospect despite not having the, a great season last year. He he still was quite respectable with the highest points finished 20th for a Levine family racing in the team's history. He now is an in-house GGR car with Adam Stevens he is paired with a crew chief. Some consider is, is the best in, G, in the JGR stable. Stevens is the only active crew chief with more than one championship. Uh, you want to start with this one because I'm going to blow it up when I when it gets to me. I'm going to blow this up when it gets to me. I'm going to make all your jaws drop. Watch it, please. Christopher Bell to JGR is by far not the number one move of 2021 by far. I think G, I think Bell should be number three on this list, maybe number four. I mean, mm-hmm. Bubba Wallace with 2311, I think that had more attention than Christopher Bell going to JGR. I think <laughs> Kyle Larson, the biggest, <laughs> I think Kyle Larson, be, Kyle Larson being the biggest free freaking agent, like we just said earlier, should be number one on that list. And but you're gonna put Christopher Bell? Don't get me wrong. He was a championship contender in uh twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen in Xfinity. Did his time, developed his career, did excellent there. But and I get Levine Family Racing was not a competitive team. Um, but he didn't really make a lot of noise there. Matt, I'm I'm maybe controversial on this one when I say this. I think Matt DiBenedetto did better in LFR equipment than Christopher Bell. I mean, DiBenedetto made more noise than freaking Christopher Bell did. I really did. Yeah, that, that that's the crowd clapping. That that's the take of the day, right there. That's it. You nailed it. Matt Diamondetto did a better job. And nothing to. And I'm like I said, I'm not taking anything away from Christopher Bell. I'm not taking anything away from Matt Diamondetto. I'm not taking anything away from Levine Family Racing. Christopher freaking Bell did not make as much noise as he should have been with Divine Family Racing. He should have made more noise than Matt DiBenedetto did. And Matt, 
and Dibby, my God. Yes, <laughs> Matt Benedetto didn't really make much noise when he was in the LFR 95 car until the Bristol night race. And since that race, the Benedetto made so much freaking noise. When did you talk? When did you talk about Christopher Bell in the 95 car last year? Yeah. And if you did, how much did you? It was because he ragged. I don't remember talking much about him at all. If I even did. No, I mean, I mean, he, he, he had a lot of wrecks. I mean, he had a lot of wrecks. Wasn't a very good, uh, wasn't a, a year to talk about. And sure, the, you know, you expect that, growing pains, uh, a team that was uh, not fully committed, I guess, so to speak, outside of that year, even though they'll claim that they were committed to finish out the season. Uh, Bill, knowing that he was a, he was not in a stationary seat, that uh, he was going to be involved, uh, uh, rotating to another uh, shop next year, this year. Look, all I can say is, Christopher Bell, don't unpack your suitcase because in two years, the grandson, the grand pootie, the stinker of all stinks. If you think that boy Ty Gibbs has any. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, they, you look at the kid and you just want to throw up because he's snotty looking. He's snotty. I would, I, I'm just going to hold what I say keep from getting in trouble. But uh, Christopher Bell, don't unpack your suitcase because uh, <laughs> I, I hope you've watched who else who all has gone through that fourth JGR car. He's a, and, uh, he's he's a don't stay there very long, racer. Bell. He's a, he's a talented dirt racer like Kyle Larson, but. I mean, it's he's proven. I mean, Bell has proven it, being a three-time Chili Bowl champion. But honestly, my God, in my opinion, we're going to see Kyle Larson versus Christopher Bell, both in top-tier equipment. I'm going to say this right now, and I'm putting it on the freaking table, and it's going to be documented right here tonight on Race Chat Live, folks. Kyle Larson will make five times more noise in top-tier Hendrick equipment than Christopher Bell probably ever will in a JGR car. Isn't that fourth JGR car? I mean, who's he going to unseat? You know, Martin Truex Jr., which I thought was headed to retirement a few weeks ago. I mean, I I guess we were just wishing upon a star that uh, MTJ (laughs) was going to walk away. Uh, but uh, no, nope, he's he's in. So I mean, Christopher Bell, you're you're in that fourth JGR slot, and boy oh boy, that's a revolving chair. And you know, I just you know you got you got Ty Gibbs waiting there. Of course, Harrison Burton, you know he's he made a tremendous stride uh, last year and 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 actually become a little bit more developed than what I was uh, expecting Harrison to. Of course, watching Jeb and. Uh, you know, knowing that Harrison has had top tier rides since he's uh, come into the into NASCAR, you know, with the Truck Series, and then uh, you know, being at uh, Joe Gibbs Racing last year uh, in the uh, in the Xfinity Series, you know, I, I'm I'm well impressed of the strides that uh, Harrison Burton has made. But you know, I, I mean, I just don't think Harrison Burton will see a, a Cup ride over at JGR. And a lot of I'm it has to do with because it's it's you know it's grandson. You think he's not going to give his grandson an opportunity to race in Cup? 
you know, he's tried all of his kids, and uh, none of them really worked out. None of them had enough talent. But, you know, back then you, you, you had to have a little bit of talent. These days you got to have a whole lot of money. So it's, you know, it's definitely, uh, definitely a different playing field than, than what J.D. or – if you, if Joe Gibbs is so great and so high on Christopher Bell that he that he put him in he had to put him in LFR equipment for one year because he had nowhere to put him in his four car stable last year as much as he wanted to. But since Gibbs has a lot of cards on freaking Christopher Bell I'm gonna say this right now. You had to give up Eric Jones for Christopher Bell. Fine. Christopher Bell better a win a freaking race this year, and b Christopher Bell better be competing for top tens and top fifteens week in week out. Yeah, you can't do that. I think Joe Gibbs kind of wasted his cards on him. Yeah, if, I, if you were to go into baseball and you make a trade and Christopher Bell was your, you know, middle infielder and Eric Jones was your catcher or your first baseman, maybe even your center fielder, that it just it just doesn't seem like a, a, a good trade to trade Eric Jones for Christopher Bell. I mean, you know, maybe Christopher Bell is, you know, maybe there's a promising future with him, but we knew, we know what, what Eric Jones is capable of, right? I mean, we've seen flashes of brilliancy by the kid. We've seen him, you know, hold back, and, and we've seen him win. We've seen him take a checkered flag. We've watched his emotion. We know who he is. Eric Jones, uh, Eric Jones has won at, has won at Darlington, and then always is, always, always, always is a front runner at Darlington. And Darlington is a freaking tough track to race because, for the most part, it's a one it's a one groove track. I mean, you put two cars on there; it's challenging to get around. And Jones has won in Darlington. Mm-hmm. Christopher Bell, what did he do? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's won, he's won quite a few races in Xfinity. That's what Christopher Bell has done, and uh, he runs really well when he chases his buddy uh, Larson. But Larson's proved time and time again he has, more, you know, Larson's even more talented than Bell. He's Bell is not even more talented than Larson on a dirt track. So, what do we expect out of Cup? You know, um, you cannot range these guys' uh, driving expertise because you know they were in a top tier ride. These guys are going to get. A win or two wins a year, even if Grandma's driving the damn race car. Okay, you could put, you could put Granny, you could put Betty White in a Joe Gibbs Xfinity race car, and Betty White's going to finish the year third in points with four wins. That's Betty freaking White, guys. <laughs> Only a race chat live can you get a Betty White. Reference. You're right. Come on, guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, Betty, yeah, Betty White can definitely see over the steering wheel. Miss <laughs> 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 Lee said Betty White could kick all their asses. Yes, she could. Um, 
So that's uh, that's the top ten silly season moves. I expect there to be ten more by the end of the year, uh, by the beginning of next year. Uh, one thing about racing, I think nobody really realizes this. It's only been two drivers to finish and start and finish their career in one organization. There's only been two drivers. Can you name those drivers? Fast. Well, can you say that one more time? Can you say that one more time? Only, only two cup drivers in all of NASCAR have started and finished with the same cup team. What are those two drivers? Who are those two drivers? Oh, my God. Is one of them a seven-time champion? One of them is a seven-time champion, and the other is a four-time champion. All right. I think the seven-time champion I'm thinking of, and I'm hoping to God I'm right, Richard Petty. No, Jimmy Johnson, buddy. <laughs> Richard Petty drove I thought, several I thought, different things. I thought Petty drove just the 43 car. No, well, uh, that's the thing. Richard Petty, actually, uh, if you go back to including, a lot of people don't know this. It's a little bit of history fact. Richard Petty signed a deal with Rick Hendrick in 1984, but the deal fell through. Ooh. Yeah, and instead of uh, Richard Petty driving for uh, Rick Hendrick, he instead drove for Mike Curb, the owner of Curb Records. Um, so that name Curb has been around a very long time, and uh, that's a little bit of FYI. Uh, but no, Petty Petty uh, actually left the Petty organization, uh, left Maurice in them, uh, and... Uh, um, started his uh, winning drugs for somebody else. It was, uh, you know, I believe at that time uh, it was the crew chief of his. Oh, my gosh, I can't think of his name right now. Anyway, he went on and he won a championship with Terry Labonte that year uh, over at the uh, 93-something 90, race team, Terry Labonte. His first 94 team, uh, it was uh, Terry Labonte's first uh, championship. But, uh, no, Jimmy Johnson and Jeff Gordon, they come out of the same organization, Hendrick Motorsport. They are the only two drivers to start and finish their cup career in the same seat. Uh, every other driver that has ever existed in cup racing has, you know, and the one thing about cup racing is everything changes, unless your name is Jeff Gordon or Jimmy Johnson. So I know that there's uh, Chase Elliott who – you know, will probably want to finish his career at Hendrick Motorsports. But Chase Elliott's just now starting, guys. Hendrick may not even be alive by the time Chase Elliott decides to hang up his, his steering wheel, you know. Um, I guess the only other guy that could be in con- in competition with that is Denny Hamlin uh, with JGR. So, um, and remember, if Jason Leffler's career had taken off, uh, in the Cup Series, and we all know how talented Jason Leffler was, uh, rest his soul, uh, we wouldn't have a Denny Hamlin in the 11 car. You know, just think about that. If uh, if, if Jason Leffler had been more successful, uh, we would not have uh, seen Denny Hamlin over the JGR team. 
I think in terms of the future for race teams, obvious, it's obviously written in the stars. Um, once Rick Hendrick either A, moves away from NASCAR or uh, Rick Hendrick passes on, it's over in the stars. Jeff Gordon's going to be the next guy in line for Hendrick Motorsports. Um, for, I think, Denny Hamlin with his own team, um, I don't think we'll merge with Bill Gibbs. And here's my reason being, um, because of the ties between Kyle Busch and Joe Gibbs, not only in terms of the whole Toyota, um, trucks, Xfinity, that whole spiel, um, going up and down the ladder of that, anything in terms of Joe Gibbs racing, um, with the, um, virtual sim racing side of things. You have one car that has the number 18 and you have another car that has the 51. Which next car driver is tied to both of those numbers with Joe Gibbs Racing? Ding, ding, ding. Kyle Busch. Kyle Busch. So I think, right. so I think Denny Hamlin will stay with his own team and if Joe Gibbs were to ever leave, leave uh, motorsports or um pass on, Kyle Busch is going to be the next guy in line for JGR. Yeah. Well, I think these older guys, like Penske, Penske knew, you know, this is not the old NASCAR where uh, you've got, you know, an owner who, you know, like a Junior Johnson who basically has his hand and finger on every decision made in a race shop. These guys have delegated their power to uh, CEOs, to uh, vice presidents of operations, um, so they are ready at any point in time for something to happen. We have a lot of older owners. Uh, Roger Penske, I think, is 86 years old. Hendrick, uh, Roush is getting up there pretty good in age. Of course, Childress is getting uh, up there. You know, I, I, I believe that most of these guys have somebody who will take the helm of the organization if something were to happen, and there wouldn't be a change. If Penske passes tomorrow, you're still looking at Penske operation. That, that, that Penske's not going anywhere. Okay, even if Roger Penske is not here tomorrow, their Penske organization will continue on at least for several years to come while they're, you know, while they're still under contract. Of course, you know what happens when all the contracts go out. I'm not sure, uh, but uh, the Penske organization, you know, they have delegated people there, and I'm sure that Hendrick it does as well. I've heard rumors that Jeff Gordon was going to take over, but I've also heard in the last two years that that's not going to happen the way that people think it is. Uh, that that it will continue as Hendrick Motorsports. Now, Gordon may be, uh, you know, the guy who sits in Hendrick's office, but it's not going to be Gordon Motorsports. It's going to be Hendrick Motorsports, and uh, that's something that, uh, you know, they, these guys have earned. They've earned that right to to keep their name on top of that building. Um, I don't see Stuart Haas. I don't see Stuart uh, in NASCAR in 10 years. I really don't. I know people are astonished when I say that, but I feel like that other endeavors will bring uh, Stewart away from NASCAR. I already see the breakup happening. I mean, if y'all don't see the writing on the wall, then, you know, first of all, Ford tells him no to Kyle Larson. 
or it was either Ford or it was uh, 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 the Hoss, uh What's his name? Oh my gosh, what's his name? Uh, the 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 Hoss man. I forget his name. Gene. Uh, Gene so Hoss. You know, yeah, Gene Hoss. You know, so the writing's already on the wall. Like the new series, Cup, uh, Tony getting uh, uh, not not getting the uh, the dirt race for the Cup cars. Writing's already on the wall there, so you know uh, I don't foresee Stuart Haas sticking around after ten years. I really don't. Harvick is his last driver that he really uh, put the effort in to get there. Of course, Clint Boyer was there as well because of Stewart, but you know Clint Boyer's gone, so it's kind of Kevin Harvick is the last guy there uh, that had a major influence by Tony Stewart bringing them there. So you know uh, I, I really just uh, I don't see that organization continuing on. Of course, Gene Haas will continue with the team, regardless of Stewart's there or not. Um, uh, and, and the guy owns a uh, Formula One team, for crying out loud. So, I mean, it's plenty of money there. Uh want to say bye to Craig tonight. Have a good night. Maybe next week we'll get you on full time again uh, as we uh, are getting close to the bottom of the last hour. Uh, it is getting about sleepy time. But uh, so reiterate back what we were talking about, you know, with the with – the, the owners and uh, what's going to happen with the organizations. Um, I just really don't see any change, even if Joe Gibbs or, or whatnot, even if they don't, uh, even they, their organizations will well outlive them. Uh, in, uh, yeah. Yeah. Tony has his finger in so many pots that are more important to him than NASCAR. I agree with Lee 100%. I mean, I mean, if you think about it this way, Tony Stewart has his own cup with Gene Haas. Along with Xfinity, Stewart has his own sprint car team, and Tony Stewart has his own freaking racing series with Ray Everham that we talked about last week for about an hour, and he runs Eldora. I mean, Tony Stewart, I think the one thing with Tony Stewart, though, and with his career in racing, um, coming up as a kid, um, then racing IndyCar, becoming a champion there, then transitioning over to NASCAR and becoming a champion in there, and Tony Stewart being a one hell of a wheel man in dirt racing. I mean, you think about it, Tony Stewart's used to having his name in multiple pots for right. as long as he can remember. So, I mean, Tony Stewart's still in his wheelhouse to this day. That I would say if there was a World Motorsports Hall of Fame, then Tony Stewart would have to be one of the first inducted into that class along with Mario Andretti and Travis Pastrana. I mean, those three guys right there, if you want to talk about a World Motorsports Hall of Fame, World Motorsports, anything, everything, your first three inductees is going to be Travis Pastrana, Mario Andretti, and Tony Stewart. And one thing Travis Pastrana has done, I mean, he's done motocross racing. He drove a freaking monster truck in a Monster Jam truck, I believe, once or twice, if I remember correctly. He even had a truck <laughs> yeah. in a freaking name. Yeah, the guy's, the guy's driven everything. So I definitely see... Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I definitely see Tony Stewart uh, going on to bigger, better things in the next few years. 
Guys, it has been a great show tonight. We want to appreciate you guys for listening. Uh, of course, our sponsors um, and uh, our partners, More to Music, uh, 110 Nation Sports. Go to their website at the 110nationsports.com, 110 Nation, the 110nation.com. Is that it? I always forget the website. That's terrible with me. Uh, we we did miss a few topics. Uh, we'll, we'll have some predictions uh, next week. We try to predict who the who the best team will be rolling in to the 2021 season. Um, you know, last year I think the the the, the best team all round team. Uh, and and you, you know you may argue with me. I think it uh, was Joe Gibbs Racing. Um, Stuart Haas was right there, but I believe Joe Gibbs racing was kind of the better racing last year all around. Uh, of course, Al Elliott won the championship, but what, you know, this goes back to the Jimmy Johnson days where, you know, it just happens to be the Hendrick won the championship. Um, you know, you know, you wouldn't pick the Hendrick to be the best team at all throughout the year. And then he comes out and he wins the championship. So, uh, but, uh, We'll, we'll discuss that, who's going to be the powerhouse, who's going to be the big guy on the block uh, for the 2021 race season. Uh, we'll, we'll discuss a little bit more about uh, the changes in the Cup schedule. Look forward to that. Um, also, uh, we should have an announcement, right, by the Short Track Super – not by the Short Track Super Series. I'm reading something else. By the, S, uh, the SRX team, right? Yes, SRX has a driver announcement coming soon. Not sure when. I was kind of hoping it would be today, but those guys, let me tell you, that social media team is fantastic. I mean, the way they've done their announcements, like they've kind of dragged things out, which is perfect because, and I know Tony Stewart said they've done this on purpose, so every day they don't put all the news out at once. You have so much hype in that little time and then it just dies right off until racing begins and you hype it back up. Like they've hype this up progressively and they're doing it perfect but uh new driver announcement coming for SRX soon um we'll wait on that announcement um another thing I do want to mention is uh next week on the show we will have our first uh interview of the season we'll have Big uh, Racing um believe it's a race team in Pennsylvania um And uh you'll have to remember to have to remember to use think, that one there uh when we when we introduce our guests. <laughs> I like it. But uh yeah, I believe uh, we'll have Ziggy racing on uh next to, next week. Um probably around I would say about half hour. We're gonna try to keep our interviews about half hour in terms of length. Um so Around, probably around 8.30, he, uh, they'll be joining us. Uh, we'll be talking about their season and um, and kind of go from there. Along with uh, what Chris said earlier. Um, and upcoming interviews for February as well, since we're in the month of February. Um, I might as well mention it now. John Viscani will join us on February 15th, right after Valentine's Day, right after the Daytona 500. Um 
Then February 22nd, we'll have Bethel Motor, Motor Speedway, um, a small little short track here in New York, um, paved short track, I should say. And, uh, and we'll, uh, that's our list of interviews that the schedule for the month of February as we get ready to kick off uh, NASCAR racing. And I believe the Volusia Dirt Car Nationals are going to be happening this month at some point, too. All righty. So, uh, SRX is likely to announce the local drivers for each race. We'll be looking forward to that, along with some guests coming on. Looking forward to that again. Uh, maybe Craig and uh, Taz can uh, build up their, their interviewing uh, expertise a little bit better as I sit out. Uh, some of these interviews here and, and then let the other guys ask some questions. Um, is there anything else that we missed? I mean, I know that NASCAR announced uh, that they're going to do heat races in Bristol. The whole Bristol show, I think that should be a big show that we lead up to because that's going to be a big for, week for 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 racing altogether. Not just not yeah. just, it's It's the marriage. It's it's not the marriage. It's the coming together between the dirt world and the asphalt world because over the years it's been a lot of uh, yeah a lot not it's just not gelled too well together and and so there's a lot of animosity from one to the other and uh, I think that uh, that week there's going to be some uh, some NASCAR top dogs that learn to respect the the clay dirt in the mouth and. Uh, Vice versa, there'll be some dirt guys that actually learned uh, a little bit of risk from the top dogs and uh, how they got there. Because one thing I want to say about every race car driver out on the racetrack, they started somewhere at a track near you. And I've said this many times. There's only a few drivers that just didn't have any experience whatsoever and wound up in NASCAR. 99% of the guys that have wound up in NASCAR raced at a racetrack somewhere near near you. And, and and when I say you, I mean you as in anywhere. Wherever you are, there was somebody that got their start down the road from there. And so that's, you know, it, this will be the coming together of those two, uh, the privileged and the not-so-privileged, uh, the dirty face and the uh, the clean face. I think this is... You uh, mentioned You mentioned that. You mentioned that, Chris. I will say this. Um, people might remember this when I say it. If anyone remembers the Fonda 200 at Fonda Speedway, that used to be a NASCAR sanctioned race for three years. And I believe Rick, I might have my history wrong on this one. I know he's won this race once, and I think he's done it, but I think he's done it twice. Um, I could be wrong. Richard Petty. Fonda Speedway. That's right. The yeah, the dirt, the local dirt modified track that find, that um is starting to get its resurgence from used to be a NASCAR sanctioned track where Richard Petty raced and won at. So I mean, when he says any big time NASCAR driver that's racing now got their start somewhere, hey, Richard Pet, you never know. Some big name could have raced at your local track. I didn't even know Richard Petty raced at Fonda. I didn't even know Fonda was a NASCAR station track at one point in its history until I learned the Fonda 200 wow. history and found out from there. Wow. 
Less than 20 seconds, we want to thank you guys for listening to Race Chat Live. Share us. You can find us on iHeartRadio. You can find us on iTunes. You can find us on Spotify. You name it, we've got a spot for it. Go check out the website, the110nationsports.com. We'll be back next Monday night, new time, new place. Uh, Well, not a new time. But anyway, thank you guys for listening, and we can't wait for the next show next week.